This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. We are 98.7 ESPN. Good evening, everybody. It is a rainy Tuesday night. Remember just a couple of weeks ago, there were in many areas of New York a water shortage? Don't you dare put your sprinklers on for that lawn. I don't care if it's brown. No water. We're good now. (laughs) The lawn looks great in October. It looks fabulous. It just does. It's been a lot of rain, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of rain. A lot of rain. Got some more tomorrow. Then we'll clear up on Thursday. And then we'll get some things going. Then this weekend, we got a little baseball postseason. So we'll start off a couple of things. I'll get to Aaron Judge in a minute. And, of course, we'll talk about the Knicks and... Yankees and Mets. I didn't get to Aaron Judge in a minute, but first, thank you, Atlanta. What's Larry talking about? Larry's saying thank you to the Braves. What? Is he off his mind? What? Thank you, Atlanta, for eliminating, beating Miami tonight. Take your NL East crown. Thank you for not sending Jacob DeGrom on the hill tomorrow for a last-ditch effort to try to see if the Mets can back their way into the NL East Division Championship. Now, to some of you, I may sound like a bitter, fraudulent Met fan. That's what I probably sound like. But I am, and if you heard me over the years, you will know that I am more of a realistic Mets fan. And when everybody was like, oh, Atlanta's this, Atlanta's that, Atlanta's going to roll, the Mets are this, the Mets are going to roll, Atlanta's done, blah, blah, I said, whoop, Seen a lot of baseball. Don't know. Not ready to say goodbye to Atlanta yet. So for right now, listen, Atlanta, Atlanta eliminated the Mets for the NL East title with a 2-1 win over the Marlins, despite the fact that the Mets are well on their way to sweeping a doubleheader. Buck Showalter was ready to send Jacob DeGrom on the hill tomorrow for the possibility if Atlanta lost tonight and the Mets would be tied with Atlanta for a chance to get in tomorrow. But now that's not happening. So we can forget about all that, just get ready for the postseason, get ready for probably what still I I would think San Diego. I don't think Philly, but we'll see. This weekend. And then we'll wait and figure it out. Right now, it's time to set up for the wild card. That's what you have to do. You're hosting it, so that's a good thing. And for me, it was great to see the Met bats today, but I am aware it is a Washington Nationals pitching staff. But I hope that this means the Mets will get some momentum, will be able to get some confidence because they are going to have to hit for them to be successful in the postseason. Of course you want to rely on your pitching. And when you have pitchers like DeGrom and Scherzer and Bassett and Walker and Carrasco to a lesser extent, when you have veteran pitchers like that, that's you are confident that you have a shot that you will be in every game. But the pitchers have done their part for much of the season. Now, we could argue that DeGrom over his last couple of starts has did not do what he's supposed to do. And I would agree with you. He did not. 
He did not. But the Mets never score for him. So they have to find a way to put all this stuff back, all this stuff done, forget about what happened regular season, and let's focus now on making sure that they try to find a way to get this offense rolling for the postseason. So that's the situation with the Mets. Of course, we keep up to date on the scoreboard. As far as the Yankees are concerned, I mean, they've just been cruising. And you could see, and Aaron Judge has been such a cool guy, right? He's been the guy that says the right things. He's been the guy that hustles all the time. He, there's nothing he does wrong on the baseball field. Okay, and things that are involved with him performing, playing baseball, he doesn't make mistakes. He says the right thing. He carries himself the right way. He's, even though he's going for an individual record, he plays for the team. He could have swung at a bunch of pitches outside the strike zone, wouldn't do it, stay disciplined. And so uh, you love that. You, have, you respect that from him. But he finally cracked a little bit in the first game of the doubleheader. And you saw him slam the helmet in the bat back. You never see Judge slam the helmet anywhere. So the frustration was starting to get to him. Because look, what, two games? Today and tomorrow, that's it. Right? Two games. That's what he had left. But then he finally got something good to hit in game two. And our Michael K sounded like this. High fly ball, deep left. There it goes, soaring into history. He's done it. He has done it. 62. Aaron Judge is the American League single season home run leader. BAL King. Case closed. Very nice, Michael. Case closed. Very nice. Very nice. And so, for me, even as a Met fan, but as a talk show host and broadcaster, I, I appreciate the unselfishness of Aaron Judge, right? We'll hear from him a little later when, when we do our baseball segment, depending on the length of the uh, Met and Yankee games. Because, once again, as I mentioned earlier, here's a guy who just focused solely on the team and during the broadcast they were talking and they are so right they being Kay Cohn and O'Neill when you were wondering who these people were in the Yankee lineup in the summer August after the after the trade deadline in August and early September you were wondering who these people were the one constant was Aaron Judge the one constant of legitimacy in the lineup. And as the guy said during the broadcast, they continued to pitch to him. They continued to pitch to him. And you're sitting there and you're like, but he's the only guy that can beat you. Why are you pitching to him? What are you doing? And they kept pitching to him and he kept getting home runs and hits and runs batted in and he he carried that team. So for me, and we've said it over and over again, I get it, over and over and over again, with all due respect to Shohei Atani, who is a phenomenal player. 
He is phenomenal, having a really good season, improving as a pitcher, hitting he was outstanding anyway, but improving as a pitcher. This is the one year that I can honestly say Aaron Judge is clearly the MVP and has still has a chance at the Triple Crown. That is, I mean, it's been unbelievable. He's been the most valuable and the most outstanding player this year. So no matter what you do, and there's always the discussion, right? Is most valuable, is most outstanding, could be valuable. He was most valuable to the Yankees because the Yankees wouldn't be where they are without him. And he was most outstanding because nobody in the league has dominated the way he has. Kudos to Aaron Judge. 1-800-919-3776. Let's open up the phones. We'll get your thoughts on Aaron Judge, get your thoughts on the Mets. And I want to get your thoughts on the Knicks. Now, listen, it's a preseason game, all right? Obviously, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter who won. You're looking at players. You're looking at what to expect. You're looking at lineups. You're just, you're just trying to get a feel for what this team is like, okay, what this team could be like, what, what you could expect from this team. And there were some interesting things here. I want to hear what you have to say, and I'll share my thoughts with you. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Yankees trailing 3-2, even though Aaron Judge has has hit his 62nd home run, has the American League record for a single season. Mets cruising. Mets are cruising 7-0 over Washington. Both Mets and Yankees going for the sweep today, having won the first games. But I want to talk for a couple of minutes about the New York Knicks. And I saw some, and once again, I get it. It's preseason. I get it. I'm not ready to say, oh, this team is awful. Oh, this team is great. Not, not ready to say that. I'm not ready to say it. Early observations. I like that Obi Toppin got some minutes. Um, did not have the three tonight. So he needs to continue to work on that. And the mid-range games, we know that. Uh, The person that really jumped out at me was Hartenstein. His ability to hit the three, nothing but net, 8.7 boards in 27 minutes, like what I saw from him. Um... Mitchell Robinson, okay, six points, 18 minutes, three of three, from the, you know, from the field. Okay. I need to see, uh, you know, and three blocks, so he was around the paint. That was good. Julius Randle, six of 10, started out very cold, but got hot later in the game, 15 points. Uh, for me, it was Jalen Brunson, 16 points in 20 minutes, great shooting, five assists. A plus in a plus minus at a plus twenty one. Look good. Like how he looked for himself. Like how he dispersed, added some people. Love loved what I saw from him. Am I realizing that it's a young Pistons team in preseason? So I'm not drawing any. You know, I'm not ready to say, oh, we're definitely going to make the playoffs. I'm not ready to say that yet. Not just look these. This is just a just a a quick glance at what this Nick team is going to be. Very disappointed to hear that Cam Reddish got hurt in this game. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, left the game and did not come back. Don't know when he's coming back or how long he's out for or whatever. Um, Emmanuel quickly took 11 shots. He took the second most shots on the team tonight behind uh, R.J. Barrett, who had 21 points in 23 minutes. Five rebounds, a couple of assists for R.J. So overall, it, it was good. You you like what you saw. A couple of issues defensively, but that's to be expected. It's preseason. It's early. You're not. You're just mixing players. You're going out to see what guys can do, everything like that. I saw Julius Randle handle the ball a little bit more than I wanted him to, while Brunson was in the game. But that will be ironed out. It's okay. So I was I was surprised in a sense by what I saw um, from the Knicks. I was pleasantly surprised. But again, doesn't matter. This is preseason. We'll wait and see how they further go as the season progress. The preseason progresses, and um, you know they we'll see if they get better and better and better. But it was it, it was it was pleased. I, I was pleased. Let's put it that way. I was pleased with what I saw because I was expecting disarray. I was expecting bad shooting. I was expecting a bunch of things. The pace was much better. It was an up-tempo pace. I don't know if they'll be able to continue to do that for the season, but I like the fact that Brunson was pushing the basketball and forced the guys to run, including Randall. So I think that's a good thing. So we'll wait and see how it goes for the rest of the preseason, and then when we start playing for real in a couple of weeks, then we'll know what, what to expect from this Nick team. But the early the early observations from them tonight, and once again, I know it's against the young Pistons team. I get it. But it's, it's preseason. You're, just, you're letting a bunch of people play, okay? And, um, you know, the early, re- the early reviews were pretty good. The early reviews were pretty good. Uh, for Detroit. I love Ivy. <laughs> I wish the Knicks could have gotten Ivy. I really do. 16 points in 22 minutes, efficient shooting, four rebounds, a couple of assists. Even though he was a minus 24 in the plus minus, that's because the team really didn't play well. But individually, you saw him, he could make moves, he sees the floor well, he can create for himself. Uh, We'll see how his jumper progresses during the year. But I was, I was, I I enjoyed him and wished, you know, no slight against Jalen Brunson. No slight against Jalen Brunson. I'm happy that he's here as a Knicks fan and look forward to seeing what he brings to the team. But when you look at what Ivy and the fact that the Knicks were looking at him and tried to get him, and just couldn't make a deal to move up to get him to draft him. Uh, you know, I wanted to see what he looked like, and he he is what we thought he was going to be. He's he's very good. He's very good. This is a Detroit team that's going to struggle a little bit, but they're building through the young players. So we'll see how that goes for them. Uh, but for me, once again, like I said, just looking at the Knicks, there were some positives. There were some positives there, and hopefully they can build on it and start to get a cohesive unit. And the one thing I did like was the bench played well together. And and I do like, and that was made, I think, quickly so successful 
not last year, but the year before with the bench and even the first year in his rookie year when Derrick Rose is in the game with him. And, you know, because you've got somebody that understands, you know, I can I can handle it for you. I can shoot. I can shoot the three on occasion. I can create for myself. You give it to me. I can pass the ball. I can find people. I mean, he's just – Derrick Rose just plays the game so effortlessly. Like, he can go wherever he wants. He, he's, he's just such a good player. It's really unfortunate that his, his body has betrayed him with injuries and whatnot because he is still – a very, very good basketball player. Sees, like I said, sees the floor well, just handles, knows how to calm things down, can create a shot. He's just a really good player. And when you have a player like that with now a third-year player in Emmanuel Quickly, it allows him to know that he's got that safety valve, right? And if he gets into a situation where he can't find anybody or the defense keys in on him, you know, uh, Derrick Rose can – bail him out and keep the offense going. So I really, really, really looking forward to hopefully uh, Derrick Rose being healthy. And I think that's, you know, you talk about load management and minute management. That's going to be something that uh, Tom Thibodeau is going to have to keep an eye out on because you want to have him. You need to have Derrick Rose available. Uh, I wanted to see what Quentin Grimes was going to bring to the table. He had obviously in the summer league had a really good shooting effort, played well. And we know that Thibodeau loves him defensively because he got a lot of playing time last year, not only for his ability to hit the three, but because he was solid defensively, even playing in mismatches, playing some folks who were taller than he was because of his because of his ability, his, his footwork, his positioning. There were a number of different things that he provided that earned him playing time. And, oh, by the way, he can score too. So he wasn't there. You know, Grimes got some minutes. He played okay. So uh, very, very, it was encouraging to see the Knicks play tonight. We'll get your thoughts next. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. It's ESPN New York tonight on 9870 ESPN. Hardesty till midnight. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Lamar's in Brooklyn. Lamar, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, what's going on, Larry? How you doing? I'm doing great. Lamar, what's up? Um, listen, Larry, uh, I, I'm drinking the Knicks Kool-Aid early. Too early. You know, hold it, Lamar. Like- I'm going to stop you right there. Hold it, hold it, hold it. It's too early to drink Kool-Aid, Lamar. It's one preseason game against Detroit. Take it easy. I know. Just look at it for I, what I, it is. It's a preseason game in October. Okay? You're right, Larry, but, right. but look. Thibodeau did something that I thought he didn't know how to do or it wasn't in his DNA. He played the young players, Larry. Let's just hope he continues this for the whole season. Let's get these guys out here. We got to see what they're about. We got like a thousand draft picks, and why don't we look at the ones that we have now? You know, it's really important. Look at Memphis. You see how Memphis just gets these players with it. You know, they get them in one year and they're playing on the court. Mm -hmm. You can't learn without experience, Larry. Give these young kids a chance. And, again, we have to talk about Julius. He's the black hole (laughs) 2.0. Once he gets the rock, it's over. What are we going to do, Larry? Lamar, once again, my friend, thanks for the phone call. Lamar, it's one preseason game. So in preseason, coaches normally play a whole 
lot of people because they want to see what they can see. And I think um, the other thing, which is true, which is very true, is you've been, it's just like we, we say the same thing in preseason football, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, that guys get tired. Guys get tired of beating up on themselves. So now you have the opportunity to play somebody else. So you're looking at video. You're looking. You've got some things on video that you can see now. You've got some things that you can work on. What guys did, how, how they ran plays, did they run the plays right, execution, all these things, all this stuff. That's why you play as many folks as you can because you have to make some decisions about who's going to be on your final roster, Lamar. So, you know, listen, he's good. Let me prepare you. He's going to play a lot of kids during the preseason. He is. Don't be fooled. <laughs> it does not mean that he's going to continue to do that in the regular season. He's kind of already said his philosophy in the regular season, and my translation of what he said was very simple. Not much will change. Because what he said is what, what he said in, in in the media day is what he said all along. Guys who play well in practice have to earn their time. And you earn your time by playing well in practice. And so he's going to stick with his veterans. Okay? The only thing you could hope for, and this is my wish, right? The only thing you could hope for is that he understands that it. It's better for him and his starters if you could limit their time to 30 to 35 minutes when you can. Okay? So if you can find a way to limit your starters' time to 30 to 35 minutes, that would be outstanding because what that would mean is that they would, they would be ready for you with energy in the fourth quarter. Right. So that's what you want to see. That's what you're looking for from Thibodeau. Let's go play the kids. But if you could get some guys to play, like I said, if you could get your bench so that your, your starters are going from 30 to 35 minutes, which means that your bench guys are going anywhere from 15 to 18 minutes, that would be great. That would be fabulous. If you could get that done. I'm not so sure that's going to happen yet, though, Lamar. Not so sure. Spike is in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Good to talk to you. Uh, hope Gordon feels better. Uh, listen, I I saw a lot. I was looking for a little, and I saw a lot. Uh, De, you know, Detroit's uh, got, you know, they got three years before they start winning games. Uh-huh. Very discombobulated. But the Knicks played very, very little uh, pick and roll. I, I was looking for it. Brunson's fine. He handles the ball. He's strong. He distributes the ball. Barrett uh, seems a little stronger, a little bigger. Reddish looked like a string bean. Then he gets hurt. Hartenstein, I knew what he was coming in. He may be the role guy. But, and Mitchell looked in good shape. He looked much mm-hmm. uh, thinner, right? But I, am I, is it just my eyesight now going? Everything else no. is breaking. I no. didn't see any pick and roll. No, they they just pushed the basketball a lot. They they went tempo. They went up tempo, and I don't know because I'm going. I'm all over the place, Spike. I'm trying to yeah. track Judge and the Mets and all this other stuff. So I might have missed some plays. And I recorded so this. So I'll go back and watch it. But 
Yeah. I just think for for this game, one and the opponent is perfect for that. For this game, I think he yeah. just wanted to see. He just almost like threw the balls out there and let them play, which is yeah, very yeah, rare. That's exactly what I said. Roll the ball. I was talking to someone during the game, mm-hmm. and uh, the ball. Uh, two things really bothered me. I'm not a okay. picky guy. I'm picking anything now. It looked like a 500 team playing against a 380 team, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Randall had the ball in his hands too much. Yeah, again. I didn't like it. That's, I said that earlier, Spike. It's too much. Oh, okay. too well, much. Well, what, was, what was going on here? It wasn't off a transition. No, nope. I, I, he, he took the ball off a of make. I, I listen, listen. Brunson was the main thing I was looking at. Barrett, Barrett's improving a little bit every year. You got to mm-hmm. get the better shots now. It's the first time out. I do agree with you now. In hindsight, I needed you know confirmation from sure. someone who knows basketball. But uh, I think that exactly what happened. Roll the balls out. Have some fun. And Brunson certainly, uh, he's not the fastest. He's not. The, he's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. He has timber for, from Villanova. He saw his pops on the bench. Yeah. Uh, I was a little disappointed with Obi. Is I'm very technical, but I'm talking to him. Obi is not tucking his arm in. He's not going to yeah, ever get a shoot. Yeah, yeah. So, and Tibbs, look, his toys, Tibbs losing his blood pressure in a preseason game up by 25. He, he can't help. He's never going to so. change. He's never going to change. Yeah. Even, Spike, yeah. even with the beard, he's never going to change. <laughs> no, no, I, I know it. And and one last thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's so 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 enjoyable to talk basketball all day. I was excited for it, and I I was happy with what I saw, except with Randall and with Obi. But those things, big work. I, I said to myself, I got to congratulate Aaron Judge. I really do. And um, I, it, it prompted me to call Dan Grosser because he, he, he's a younger guy, and he was saying, you know, I'd get out of there. The MLB provided extra security just for you know when you're brought up in the north. You're very leery of everything, sure. but uh, I, I was really happy for him, and I agreed with too. The other people called me. He said, "I don't want uh, Atlanta to lose." You guys are on. So you guys got to meet one day. God willing, it happens. <laughs> you can, he said. He said. I said. Who? I said. Are you sure? Check it. He goes. Yeah. Did you speak? No. I'm going to get Larry later. You agreed. Well, you opened the show with that. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad Atlanta won. Now it's out of the way because they were going to start the Grom tomorrow. Spike. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. They're going to start the Grom tomorrow for what? You had your chance. Now listen. Buck Showalter is doing what he's supposed to do. If there's any opportunity to have a shot at it, and you and you find a second chance to get in, he's doing what he's supposed to do. I'm not criticizing him. Okay, I'm not. That's what he's supposed to do. All I'm saying is, very simply, I'm glad that you don't have to do that now. Now he can be properly ready. He can do a side. He can do whatever he needs to do. Okay? And get ready for the wild card. That's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm focused on now. Okay? All right, that's what I'm focused on, the wild card. And they need to get ready for the wild card game. And I'm not sure. I know the AL starts on the 7th. The NL will probably start on the 8th, but, we'll, you know, they haven't made the announcement yet uh, which one is starting which. So we'll, we'll, we'll update that when we find out. But, you know, that's the, that was my whole thing. Thank you, Atlanta, for not making this – for not having me – for, for JP and I just standing up there like, oh, we got a chance, we got a chance, we got a chance, and then Atlanta wins tomorrow. <laughs> just to punish me some more. We'll talk to you more of you next on 98.7 ESPN. 
You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Far be it for me to once again, and I, I'll put an asterisk here, far be it for me to once again criticize Garrett Cole after my two aces just were unclutch as I tried to edit a clean version to keep the station's license intact. How they performed this weekend. Both my aces were horrible. But once again, and this is for, you know, my nephew, Jay Blaze. Once again, as a Yankee fan, you're left concerned. Now, Gordon and I, who's under the weather and not with us tonight, hopefully he's back tomorrow night when we're doing 7 to 10, by the way, in Fograsa. As we discussed last night, even if Garrett Cole had pitched a no-no tonight, there's going to be a bunch of Yankee fans that say, oh, yeah, yeah sure, no-no against the Rangers. What are you going to do next week when, when the playoffs start? What are you going to do then when, when, the, when big time, we really need you? So I get that. I understand that. And my theory was it would be nice if he gave you a solid effort, okay, a, a, an effort where give me, give me seven innings, two runs, uh, give me seven innings, two runs, a couple of hits, no home runs, or one home run, okay? Give me that. Give me that. I'm good. If you give me that, I'm good. Because I figure we're going to find a way for, you know, the, um, the, the Yankees to score some runs against Texas. So what he does, what Gary Cole does is, and, and listen, he, he what surpassed Ron Guidry for the single-season strikeout record. I believe that's what he did. Off the memory serves me correct, and I'll check that in a second. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Joe. So here's Cole tonight. Six innings, six hits, two runs, nine strikeouts, 103 pitches, 67 for strikes. So the first thing that concerns you is 103 pitches in six innings. Now, listen, I get that when you strike out a bunch of folks, you tend to have to throw a lot of pitches. Okay, I get it. I get it. And once again, he gave up a home run tonight. And so, for me, just watching him, I mean, he was—he was—I mean, he was—he he was okay. I mean, he had what, fourteen first pitch strikes to twenty-two batters. That was good. You know, he had twenty-three called strikes, eighteen swinging strikes. That's good. You know, it's all right. But I'm looking for domination. I, if I were a Yankee fan, okay, if I were a Yankee fan, I'm looking for Cole to produce the way he did in Houston. And he's been good, but he hasn't been dominant. And that's what you need to see. So, listen, the regular season, done. Okay, done. Right now, it's all, and it really is, to be fair, it's really all about the postseason with Gary Cole anyway. You brought him in because you want him to be a dominant ace in the postseason. And what does dominant ace in the postseason mean? It means no crooked numbers. That's what a dominant ace does in the postseason. He's around the plate. I get that he's going to give up a home run. I get it. 
But in the postseason, you have to minimize damage. And that's the concern I have about Gary Cole. Because he doesn't always minimize damage. Okay? And once again, he doesn't hold leads. And see, that's the other thing that I need from my ace. I mean, the Yankees, Judge hits number 62 in the first inning. He gives it right back. <laughs> All right? Yankees take a 2-1 lead in the fifth. He gives up two in the bottom of the fifth. See, that's the issue I have with him. You're an ace. You're an ace based on your career. You're an ace based on your ability. And you're doggone sure an ace based on your salary. And so this is what, if I were a Yankee fan, this is what I would expect from Garrett Cole. Going into this postseason, come on, Yankee fans. If you don't, if you disagree, call me, 1-800-919-3776. Going into this postseason, you have, I'm, I'm going to estimate, double the confidence in Nesta Cortez than you have in Garrett Cole. Double. Double. You have, I would think, as much confidence in Luis Severino than you have in Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is your ace. You should be, and one, obviously he's human. Everybody can have a bad game. I get it. Last year, Red Sox, he was brutal. I got it. You're still remembering that. I understand all that. But still, I mean, come on. He's an ace. And aces are supposed to be dominant. And I know some of you go, well, you know, Spider Tech has been the same. Velocity is the same. He's still throwing 100. It's, for me, it's him fooling around. Okay? And, and I liken him to Mike Messina, who I had the chance to cover for most of his Yankee career. And he's that guy that was never satisfied. Well, you know, if it's, if, it, if the wind's blowing at three miles an hour, I don't like eh, the wind was a problem today. If the sun is on the right side instead of the left side, ah, the sun, eh. everything has to be perfect. And for Cole, he's always fiddling around. Throw the fastball. Listen, I'm a novice. I have I, I haven't pitched. I haven't pitched in little league, much less in the major leagues. But I've seen professionals and I've seen dominant pitchers throughout my career. And what they do, they throw hard stuff and they throw off speed and their location is impeccable. And sometimes I think, just me, my opinion, I just think sometimes he's too smart for his own good. Well, let me throw this pitch here. They're expecting this. And listen, Pitchers love it. Pitchers love that chess match of the batter. Okay, I think I know what he wants. I'm looking at his stance. He's looking this way. I've seen him slightly lean. I see, I, I've spoken to a, a gazillion pitchers, and they all love that chess match, and they all tell you different things about, you know, I'm looking at this way, and I'm setting him up, and I'm thinking. So, and I get it. I get the art of the, of the pitcher. I get the gamesmanship. I get the chess match. I do. But when you're... Having the same thing happen to you, game after game after game after game, that has been suffering with Garrett Cole, 
off and on since he's been here with the Yankees, but especially this year where he constantly gives up the home run and it's multiple runs and it's, and it's usually, not all the time, but too often in innings where the team has just scored or given him the lead and he can't hold it. It's not good. It's not good. That's not what an ace does. That's what your fourth and fifth starter does. And you expect that from your fourth and fifth starter. You don't expect that from your ace. And until he gives you that type performance, Yankee fans, I understand why you just don't trust him. I understand why you feel like he's going to let us down again. Now, for your sake, I hope that's not the case this year. I hope that he will rise up and be the pitcher that you guys faced in 2017 that gave you all the problems, all because he was fantastic. He was dominant. He and and Verlander were a one-two punch that you, you just shook your head at. And he's not that guy now. And you got, what, about four or five more years of this? At that salary? He better show you something in this postseason. You need him to show you something this postseason. You just do. You just do. So I'm very curious to see what he brings to the table. And he's going to have some time off. And that may be an issue. I'm sure Aaron Boone will give them a side session to keep them rolling. Very curious to see how Gary Cole is going to pitch this postseason. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. 98.7 ESPN.